Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to The Trader, a traitor's podcast. My name's Matthew and I'm a writer, reality competition TV fanatic and a 100% faithful. Promise. The Trader is a deep dive into every episode of the Royal Television Society award-winning hit TV show The Traitors, streaming on BBC and Peacock. This season of the podcast is dedicated to the UK series of The Traitors, and today I'll be looking at episode 11 of series 1, followed by a damn good discussion with a super special guest. Firstly, I have to give a totally insincere apology to all of the listeners I betrayed today. I am recording this on April Fool's Day, and if you follow the podcast on Twitter or Instagram, you may be one of the poor people I deceived. I only felt a smidgen of guilt, but mostly it was quite fun being an April Fool's traitor. If you want to see how I tricked a lot of people online, including several actual traitors cast members, go check out Instagram at the Trader Podcast for the funniest comments on my 1st of April post. Next up, it's time for Traitor Updates and TT News. More awards success for the Traitors. After the Broadcasting Press Guild win that I reported on in the previous episode, the Traitors has now won two trophies at the Royal Television Society Awards. The ceremony took place on Tuesday the 20th of March and the Traitors beat tough competition to win the award for Entertainment Programme as well as Entertainment Performance for host Claudia Winkleman. Production company Studio Lambert also won an award for its great show Gogglebox in the formatted popular factual category. And the Traitors wins meant the BBC scooped 17 trophies in total. 
Claudia, accompanied by members of the production team, spoke in the press room saying, everybody here just made the most fantastic show. We're really happy. We're so thrilled. Thank you so much, RTS. After the huge success of The Traitors, another production company is out to create a very similar reality competition show called The Imposter. According to Lanx Live, TV judge Rob Rinder is due to present the programme which will be created by the makers of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. A TV source is reported to have said, A pilot was filmed last month and is now likely to spark a bidding war among broadcasters who are keen to get in on the traitors type of show. Robert is a great host. Viewers will see a totally different side to him. I'm a little sceptical about this one. But now that we already have Rise and Fall from Studio Lambert and Channel 4, I think we'll see a wave of social deduction shows and programmes based on deception and betrayal in the next year or two. There's obviously only one Traitors though. Today on the podcast, like last time and for the final time this season, I'm deep diving into the next episode of The Traitors UK, episode 11, on my own. And after that, I have a brilliant interview for you to hear. And it's an interview with one of my favourite contestants of the series, who I have talked about on pretty much every episode so far. For now, let's get into episode 11. Episode 10 had ended on another incredible cliffhanger. Wilf is waiting at the fire pit for Kieran, who he has decided to try and recruit. That's where episode 11 begins. Wilf is waiting. Kieran slowly approaches, looking very, very serious. And he must be able to tell, you know, Wilf's still got his hood on, his, clo- his traitor's cloak. Kieran must be able to tell it's either Wilf or Aaron or maybe Maddie just sort of physically picking up on clues. It's probably not Meryl or Hannah or Andrea. Wilf then takes off the hood in dramatic, wonderful fashion and Kieran instantly goes, fucking knew it. I don't think Kieran did know it. I'm going to say that because at the end of the last episode, he ended by saying he was sure it was going to be Meryl or Aaron. So... I don't know. I don't know if he really did know it was Wilf. So then Wilf delivers this ultimatum. The ultimatum is either join me as a traitor or I murder you right now and you leave the game. It's it's not too much of a difficult choice, I don't think. We cut to Kieran's interview and he's saying, well, he's going to have to totally change his game plan at this point if he's to go ahead. And he tells Wilf he's not willing to leave the game at this point. And so, of course, he accepts the ultimatum. He accepts the offer to be a traitor. At this point in my notes, I've written Wilf puts clock on him and I thought somehow we were having like a flavor Flav crossover. What it meant to say was Wilf puts the cloak on him. He gives Kieran his traitor's cloak. Kieran is immediately taken away with this. He's up for it straight away. He just says, let's play. So he's, he's switched to a traitor pretty easily. I love how the little banner across the interview screen on the bottom changes from faithful to traitor. It's such an awesome moment. So then they go back to Traitor's Tower together and it's really fun seeing Kieran discover 
where has all this stuff been going down? Where have the traitors been meeting up till now? Because no one else ever gets to see this. Wilf starts to explain, look, here's how it's worked so far. We discuss who we're going to murder. And he says that really their strategy is generally to murder people who are really popular or who are really quiet. People who aren't going to be banished. People who will only leave the game if they're murdered. And he says that they tried to keep people around who make good distractions or make good scapegoats. Their possibles for murder tonight are either Meryl or Andrea or Maddie. Andrea, they think, again, going along with Wilf's theory, no one's ever going to banish her. So this is probably the only way they're ever going to get her out. Although her mad theories are quite useful because she quite often says things at the round table that are quite out there. So maybe that would be handy to keep her around for that and throw people off the scent. Meryl, likewise, they think she's very unlikely to be banished, so this might be the only way to get her out of the game. And Maddie, well, Maddie keeps gunning for Wilf and Aaron. She's still on Wilf, and she's never going to let that go. So Wilf is starting to think, you know, I'm really going to have to get rid of her sooner rather than later. I mean, I say later. There only are two episodes left. Kieran recognises that Wilf has already murdered his two previous traitors, so... In his interview, he's saying that that is on his mind. He's not stupid. He does recognise that that's happened. But for now, he's got no choice but to be on a team with Wilf and go along with it. So we leave Traitor's Tower. We cut to breakfast the next morning. Hannah picks up on the same idea that Wilf actually suggested himself. She wonders if the last traitor must be a man. Wilf was thinking about this when he decided to recruit Kieran. Of course, Hannah asks completely the wrong person about this. She turns to Wilf and says, do you trust Kieran? She's she's so blinded by her faith in him and her friendship in him, she never ever second guesses what she says when she speaks to him. Kieran walks in to breakfast, and this is the first time in the entire series I have ever noticed there is a giant portrait of Claudia on the wall in the breakfast room looking very regal and fabulous. I think I'm always just so focused on who's walking in and the reaction of everyone else. I'm not really taking in the gigantic portrait, but I noticed it today. Maybe there are fewer people for me to look at, so it stood out to me. It's funny because they're all walking in on their own now. Up until now in the series, they usually come in in pairs, sometimes even threes early on, but now they just appear one by one. Maddie Marple, for the first time comes in and says, actually, she's wavering on Aaron now. And she she thinks she needs to talk to him. She's starting to doubt her theories. She says that Amanda's banishment made her realise that she's looking in the wrong places because she was so blindsided by Amanda's reveal that she was a traitor. It's totally thrown Maddie off. It's changed all her thoughts and it's made her realise maybe the people that she trusts the most are actually not so trustworthy at all. And maybe the people that she's been suspicious of all along she shouldn't be so suspicious of. Apart from wealth, obviously. She's never letting that one go. The last two people to arrive then. It's between Andrea or Meryl. And a few moments later, Meryl arrives. Which means Angel Andrea, RIP. She has gone. She has been murdered. Everyone's pretty downbeat about it. We have a little flashback to the previous night. And the traitors say that Andrea is just simply too popular. She's never going to be banished and actually if she stays around she could end up winning 
that's not what they want. We see Andrea receiving her murder letter, and it's another really lovely moment. She says, quite emotionally, one of the big lessons, we can all have a go. We won't all succeed, but we can all have a go. If we try our best, we will have succeeded. And she says, what a pleasure to have had this chance at my age to do this. Thank you so much. I've loved it. She's upset. I'm upset. We're all upset. We love Andrea. I will have no other opinions on that one. Thank you. So we return to breakfast. Wilf is feeling pretty awful. Kieran too is looking really quiet and sad. It's his first time murdering someone as a traitor. And they all have a little toast to Angel Andrea. Gone too soon. Claudia arrives and <laughs> she does this thing. And it's quite morose. She asks Aaron to come and fetch Andrea's portrait from the wall. He has to stand on a little ladder and it's all a bit sort of funereal. Uh, she hints at the mission as she likes to do and she asks them simply, how much do you trust each other? That's all she says today and she leaves it at that. So before the mission, we see the players around the house and they're starting to talk about their ideas for today. Maddie talks to Aaron and she tells him, now I think it's not you. And she says, sorry. She realises Amanda played them both. And she then says, I think it's Will and Meryl. And Aaron replies saying, no, I don't think it's Will. Will and Meryl are then in the corridor eavesdropping on them and we see this more and more over the next couple of episodes people hanging around in corridors listening to other people in rooms alone everyone's getting so paranoid and worked up at this point Aaron also has this theory that the traitor could be a man but he doesn't think it's Will and Maddie says it's not Kieran I promise you they're obviously both entirely wrong 12 hours ago she would have been correct that it wasn't Kieran but she has no idea what's happened overnight we then cut to Maddie's interview and she says, I know 100% Wilf is the traitor and no one else is listening. And it's funny when one of the faithfuls is actually right sometimes. Maddie's one of the few people who does get it right. She tells Hannah and Meryl in the corridor and Hannah just, I get, is so black. She just replies, no, it's not. I would." Be she says, I'd bet my life on it. That's very extreme, Hannah. But we hear them say these kind of things all the time. Why is she so certain of Will all the time? It's so frustrating to watch. Aaron, of course, he suspects Kieran because he thinks the last traitor, because they think they seem to think there's only one traitor left. The last traitor is a man. Aaron thinks, well, it's not me. And he trusts Wilf. So he thinks Kieran's the only other option. And from here, everyone just really starts talking in circles they're going between Wilf and Kieran and Aaron there's total confusion all eyes are on the men that seems to be the only thing they're certain of and Wilf is trying to get attention off of Kieran which means he's gonna have to turn everyone towards Aaron or one of the women Kieran says something quite interesting to Will I noticed at this point they have a little chat outside and he says uh, fair play to keep that poker face for 11 days and when he says that it confirms that they are filming for us it confirms they're filming in real time and this is what I thought I, I got the impression that you know they, when they do the missions outdoors it's daytime and they seem although it's inside you get the impression that they're filming round tables at night and then we see the traitors these we see everybody get in the jeeps and go off to their lodgings I'll say no more about that. And the traitors meet in Traitor's Tower at night. 
but some of the people I've spoken to in the podcast have thought maybe it's not quite as straightforward as that. Maybe it takes a little longer to film. Some people have thought they filmed more than one round table in one day. But based on what Kieran says here, no, that's not the case. We, we're seeing it in real time. Also, I would like to point out, I because Kieran made this comment about keeping a poker face, I really need to see or to hear a slowed down eerie, haunting version of Poker Face by Lady Gaga here. Just like the slowed down, creepy, toxic song that we have in the soundtrack to the show and a few other songs. I think they missed a trick here. I'm just putting it out there. And if Studio Lambert would like to commission me to sing the slowed down, creepy version of Poker Face, I am more than willing to do that. Kieran and Will continue their chat alone. Kieran acknowledges, he says, again, Will... He screwed his oh, screwed over his last two traitors, and Wolf is promising, no, no, that's not going to happen. We're a team. We're tight. We're not going to do that again. Ha ha. We move on to the mission. The mission is this rickety bridge suspended above a river, and there are money bags hanging. Uh, not only did they have to cross cross the rickety bridge and grab the money bags, they have to do it blindfolded. This is one of the missions that was not in the US version. Uh, apart, some of the one of the reasons some of the missions aren't in the US version is simply because there are more episodes in the UK version. We have 12 episodes, US season only had 10. There is no shield up for grabs, Claudia tells them, in this mission. Which makes sense, because there are so few people left now that, you know, when the next person gets murdered there are going to be even fewer traitor suspects. To have a shield protect someone at this point, it just makes everything so limited. Claudia tells them this mission is about trust, because they're going to have to guide one another by shouting out instructions and giving each other support while they're blindfolded crossing this bridge. Kieran and Hannah give it a go. They both fall. And it's funny because Hannah says she's really annoyed with herself and she says, I don't want traitors looking at me thinking she's useless. But... And by episode 11, I think we can all agree the traitors are not making any of the decisions about murder based on money-making abilities. It has almost never been mentioned in Traitor's Tower, and even if it has, it's been a passing comment. All of the murders are based on who's unlikely to be banished, who do we want to keep around because people think they're a traitor, who's too clever, who's a natural leader and can sway people. None of the decisions about murder are based on let's get rid of them because they're not very good at making money in the missions. So Hannah's really got nothing to worry about there. The traitor's number one priority is not to be caught. I don't think the number one priority is making as much money as possible. They just want to win whatever money is there. That's what I reckon. Meryl is next to take on the mission and she does it amazingly. There are some really hilarious over-the-top slow-mo shots with Sam Watts really intense music playing when someone takes the slightest little stumble or loses balance for you know a few nanoseconds. They really really amp that up. It's hilarious, it's fun, we love it. I'm wondering why doesn't anyone just crawl across? That's that is like my natural instinct is don't hobble over standing upright. Surely just get down on your hands and knees and, you know, I'm not a physicist. I'm just saying that that's more of you on the bridge and there's there's less chance to wobble and lose your balance. Maybe they're not allowed to do that though. 
Maybe they're told you can't crawl, you have to walk. And I suppose they do have to reach for the bags and you'd have to stand to do that. So you'd have to crawl and then stand and reach and then get back on all fours. Maybe maybe that's not a good tactic. I don't know. Maddie makes it all the way across the bridge as well, just like Meryl, despite thinking all the way across that she's going to pee herself. Wilf takes his turn and rather foolishly, he's a bit cocky about it. He's dancing, he's shadow boxing, but he falls, he drops his bag. There's a brilliant reaction shot from Claudia. She responds as if he has actually fallen down the Grand Canyon without a harness. Uh, so it's really funny to watch that. Aaron goes for this enormous £2,000 bag. £2,000 as in currency, not weighing £2,000. That would be insane. He's running out of time as he crosses. Claudia is literally screaming at him to hurry. And again, we've got this thing that's happened throughout the series that I've been very sceptical about. The timer conveniently ends kind of roughly at the same time as Aaron gets to the end of the bridge. There's some shady editing going on there about when the timer actually ends and when he actually gets to the end of the bridge. But you know what? We love all the players at this point. We want them to get money, so we don't care. By the end of the mission, they have won £3,250, which means that the total prize fund is now £81,050. Claudia tells them that was really tough, but the round table tonight will be even tougher. Next up, we're back in the Jeeps where, as we've discussed, they love to have discussions. The producers want them to talk tactics in the Jeeps on the way back to the house. We've got Hannah, Wilf and Merrill in one Jeep. And there's a suggestion that they go for Aaron tonight. But Wilf also is already getting a bit sneaky and shady. He's suggesting that Kieran is a bit too influential and maybe they need to think about him. In the other Jeep, we have Kieran, Maddie and Aaron. Maddie tells the boys, look, all of them have been saying it's you two. And Kieran is livid because Maddie's talking about Wilf. She says Wilf has been suggesting it's you guys. Kieran's furious. He's just been recruited by Wilf. And he retaliates immediately by turning on Will and dropping Will's name into the conversation and saying, you know, maybe it's him. Back at the house, we've got another one of these little scenes surrounding food. They're having some dinner. They're all eating together. Hannah says to Maddie, what are you doing tonight? Maddie Ovs says, I'm going for Will. It's him, 100%. <laughs> Hannah replies by, by just going, shut the fuck up. Why is she so blind to Will? This is like the most common thing that I have written in my notes for this entire podcast. It's just me in capital letters writing, why does she trust Will? Even if she's super close to him and she trusts him and she feels like she's got a new best mate, it's like she can't fathom why someone would vote for him. She is never willing to accept for a moment that someone else might have suspicions about Will. She just can't understand it. And I don't understand that. Meryl says, look, we need to go for either Aaron or Kieran, Maddie. And it's just so infuriating to watch. Hannah says the same thing. Tensions are really so high around the house at this point. That's the impression that we're getting. People are going from group to group. They're having secret discussions. They're lingering outside doorways trying to eavesdrop. It's so uncomfortable and so amazing to watch. This is why we love it. Kieran is seething because he thinks that Will is already turning on him and he confronts Will. Will 
just just lies right to his face. He goes, I didn't bring up your name. I didn't bring up your... He did bring up his name. But he says, I didn't bring up your name. It's so awful to watch. Maddie goes to Aaron to ask if he's okay, which is really funny because she's suddenly sort of befriended him and doesn't suspect him anymore after 10 episodes of, like, grilling him and writing his name down all the time. Like many a great detective, you know, she got it wrong at first. But she's figured it out along the way before it's, well, kind of before it's too late. Will anyone listen? Who knows? Hannah speaks in her interview and she says, we've gone past the point where everyone is civil. People are going to fight for their place in the final. And at this point, I kind of thought maybe it's a good thing Angel Andrea is no longer part of this because blessed Andrea maybe would not have liked this tense, uncomfortable atmosphere where everyone's about to backstab one another at the round table. So in we go. Round table is here. Aaron begins with this theory that everybody's really talking about. He says, everyone is thinking it's probably a man and that's all we've been talking about. But now he's not so sure and he suddenly turns on Meryl. And it's because she suggested... He might be a traitor. He Aaron has overheard this. He's heard from other people. Meryl thought it might be you, which is true. She did say that. Kieran then jumps in and he's got the same accusation of Meryl, partly because he's maybe annoyed with her, but partly because he's now a traitor and he's trying to save himself. So he wants to deflect. This argument over Meryl asking people, who are you going for, Kieran or Aaron? That seems to take over everything. And then there's this really weird, unexpected shift. I've never seen anything like it at any of the other round tables, I don't think. Suddenly, everyone turns on Maddie, and it's really bizarre. And it's because Maddie told people what Meryl actually said, and because Maddie has always been gunning for Wilf, and people don't like that, including Wilf. And the discussion ends pretty quickly after this. The round table did not go the way that we expected based on all the discussions that we've seen or all the discussions that were shown to us in the edit. All of the discussions throughout the episode were about the men, about how they were sure it had to be a man, so therefore it was either Aaron, Kieran or Wilf. But we suddenly get to the round table and things take this weird shift, firstly towards Meryl and then towards Maddie. And then we stop and it's time for voting. So the votes come in. Meryl votes for Maddie. Wilf votes for Maddie. Hannah, with her head in her hands, votes for Maddie. Presumably because she kind of knows Maddie's probably not the traitor, but she doesn't know who else to vote for because she really trusts everyone else. And maybe there's strength in numbers and she's just going for what she thinks everybody else is going to do. Kieran votes for Meryl. Maddie votes for Meryl. Which means Aaron has the deciding vote because there are three votes for Maddie, two for Meryl. If he votes for Meryl, there will be a tie. And if he votes for Maddie, Maddie will be gone. This also brings up this idea of a tie, which has actually never happened in the whole series. In 11 episodes, we've yet to have a tie at the round table. And therefore, we don't know what would happen if a tie occurred. Now, no spoilers. If you watch the Australian Traitors, this happens at least once, where there is a tie around the round table. 
And I'll talk more about that in the next season of the podcast. Yes, I'm already talking about the next season because that is what's next for the trader. We're going to move on to the Australian traders. But for now, Warbathanen, deciding vote, he turns over his slate and he votes for Maddie. And this is so difficult to watch as a viewer. It's so frustrating because we know that she's right about wealth and here she is being banished. So they're not they're not listening to her theory about wealth and she's never going to get the chance to convince them. It's actually quite sad, I think. In her interview, she looks a wee bit emotional and she says, you know what, maybe tonight at the round table I just gave up, but I've had an amazing experience. She stands in the circle of truth and she says she feels like she should have just left with that £3,000 in episode 8 when she was given the chance. She says she's learned so much. She's learned that people and friendships are worth more than money. Quite right, Maddie. And she reveals, I am a faithful. And it is gutting at this point. All of the remaining players, well, apart from the traders, they look totally dejected. They've got it wrong yet again. At such a late stage, to vote out a faithful just must feel awful. So it doesn't seem like there's a very good morale around the table. Claudia then speaks to them and she tells them that they have a surprise waiting outside. So we leave the house and we move to the fire pit, somewhere that is going to become very important in the next episode. There is someone playing bagpipes and there is Prosecco waiting for them. As a Scottish person, I have a love-hate relationship with bagpipes. Maybe I'm not supposed to say that. Yes, they're very rousing and make you feel a bit patriotic, maybe even emotional when you see them on TV or at some big ceremony. But see when someone's playing the bagpipes in the high street and you have to walk past it, it's actually the worst noise ever. It's the sound of nightmares, right? I'm sorry, I said it, right? Claudia comes out, she's had an outfit change. She tells them no one will be murdered tonight and tomorrow you will take part in the mission to end all missions. She also tells them there will be another round table tomorrow and after that you will decide when the game ends. When you're confident there are no remaining traitors, tell me the game ends there. She reminds them that right now they have £81,050 at stake. Aaron is then talking and he says, I can't believe someone's a traitor and would steal the money. He says, I could do so much with that. Inside the house we've got Meryl saying... I don't know how a traitor could just sit here. <laughs> Again, it seems like both of them have kind of lost sight of the fact that it is a game and that whoever the traitor is or are, they didn't have a choice about being a traitor and they're also just playing a game. It's, it's one of these things about the show which the players just can't help. They really it becomes something so so personal they feel like the traitors are personally out to get them personally attacking them and they kind of forget this is a tv show everyone leaves for bed one by one wolf is the last one left and he, he really seems again like he is struggling and we cut to his interview where he says he just doesn't trust kieran and the episode ends there So episode 11 finishes on another very intense 
note. We are about to build up to the finale. It's very exciting. We started episode 11 as well with a terrible, terrible thing. The murder of an angel. My angel of the season. And lo and behold, I was so lucky to be able to arrange a Zoom meeting with Heaven to speak directly to that angel. Yes, I had a lovely chat with faithful Andrea Addison herself, and you can hear everything she had to tell me right Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. No. My guest today on The Trader is our favourite faithful who made it all the way to episode 11 and who I frequently refer to as Angel Andrea on the podcast. Andrea, how are you today? Hello, Matthew. How nice. How nice to be referred to as an angel. (laughs) Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Delighted to be chatting to you and to everybody who follows your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Now, every time I speak to someone on the trader from the TV programme, they seem to be in a faraway place or somewhere far more exciting. I mean, maybe it's a bit ironic. I'm still in Scotland. Uh, Where are you right now, Andrea? I'm in Belgium, where I live, uh, deep in the countryside, in a fairly miserable day. Yeah, it's it's pretty miserable here as well, to be honest. Now, I have lots of questions to ask about your time on The Traitors, but before uh-huh. we get into it, I'm going to introduce you to our game, The Trader Traitor. Our goal from here on in is to tell one lie to one another, one sneaky lie. It must be a made-up fact or a fabricated story, big or small, It can't be a fake opinion, like saying you don't really like Amos when actually you adore Amos. At the end of the episode, we'll put our traitor hunting skills to the test and see if we can detect one another's lie. How does that sound, Andrea? That sounds absolutely fine. I'm not sure I'll get your lie. Um, Let's see. Let's see. I'm making myself comfortable here. We'll give it our best shot. Yeah, we'll give it our best shot. So that begins now. Right. Now, my my first couple of questions actually are from Joseph. Joseph is a huge Traitors fan. He co-hosted two of the episodes of the podcast already. He asks, uh, would you have loved being a traitor, Andrea? I really wanted to be a traitor. I was extremely cross that Claudia didn't select me, <laughs> which I told her. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I told everybody, actually. However, by about 
let's say episode three or four, I realised that I probably wouldn't couldn't have been a traitor because you become you get to take these people really into your heart, um, and I I think I might have left the show. So yeah. It was right I wasn't wasn't picked to be a traitor. But I was deeply disappointed, and if I do it again, I want to be a traitor. That's probably wrong, you know, probably that <laughs> next time. It was very hard for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Joseph's second question is probably something that I would have asked anyway, and that lots of people will want to know. Do you still keep in touch with Amos? Of course. Amos is coming here quite soon. We keep in, we actually all keep in touch. We have a big uh, WhatsApp group and we chat. Not everybody's on it all the time, uh, but certainly Amos. Yes. How can I not keep in touch with Amos? Oh, lovely. That's, that's, you know, like I said, that would probably be the first thing I would ask about because you both seem to hit it off immediately on your train ride together. What, what do you think? What was at the root of you and Amos's connection? Why do you get on so well? I don't know. I mean, sometimes you meet people and that's just as if you've always known them and always loved them. And that was Amos for me. He's already been out here once. He's coming again, I think, the end of next month. We're desperate to do something together. I'm forever asking Studio Lambert about Race Across the World. (laughs) yes. Uh, Or anything with Amos, actually. Uh, He feels the same. So, you know, oh, we are going to do. We're going to do something, I think, for the Terence Higgins uh, Trust, Ah. I think. Okay, fantastic. Now, how did it feel arriving on the show to a cast of players who mainly were, you know, a different generation to you? Did you expect that? Is that what you thought it would be like? What What was your first impression? Um, I don't know what I expected. It was wonderful for me. You know, we were 22 and then Amos and Kieran were put on ice for a long while. Yeah. That left 20 people, 12 of whom were under 30. I am 73 now. I was 72 then. So it's a huge difference. Uh, And I just loved it. And I think, yes, of course, I was so much older, but as far as I was concerned, everybody just took me as me. Uh, I took each person as them. And I never felt age really came into it. I mean, we were all very, very tired. Um, And very emotional sometimes because we were so tired. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was a big thing, but it was wonderful to be with lots of young people and to see a sort of different approach to life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, you took part because you were in till episode 11, essentially till the end, just mm-hmm. about. You took part in lots of missions. Uh, which of the missions did you enjoy most and least, would you say? Ooh, le- I tell you, least. Least with that bloody escape house. <laughs> It was so cold, <laughs> so hard. I mean, if you think back, we're divided into first into two groups and then into two subgroups. I was with Amos and Amanda on one side, and there was Aaron and Theo on the other. Yeah, yeah. Theo, who hadn't wanted to go in there at all, and in fact, outside we'd had a chat, and I said, Theo, you don't have to go in if you don't want to. So he was just hating it. He had his sort of hands over his face on the other side of the politician. And Aaron, Aaron was going, I'm a vegan, I'm a vegan, I don't want to touch (laughs) you. And we were just getting poured with water. And Amos was taller than me, so it was slightly less, I think it was less hard. I mean, it had longer to travel to hit my head. 
And it was really, really, really nasty. And I projected Amanda because I didn't see why she had to get, have such a nasty time as well. So that was really, ah, bloody, bloody escape house. Um, so, yeah. And we just missed it. We just missed it. We yeah. about 45 seconds to, to, to late. So that was, what was the best? Oh, um, let me think. I have to think about them all. There was some I was disappointed. I was very disappointed not to be buried alive because um, it was much harder for me to run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Faye would have preferred to run and not be buried alive. Anyway. Um, the barrel race was extremely well. The pushing the barrels was very, very, very hard, but quite a lot of fun. Um, what else was there? Let's see. Uh, the going around the wheel wasn't bad because actually okay. it was not nearly as them as it looked. Okay. Hmm. I, I'm surprised. I thought it, I'm surprised to hear you say that. I thought it looked like it would be really painful, but. It's just actually, strangely enough, it's not when you're your head down, it's when you're going up and you got thrown, you just get thrown onto your shoulder. Uh, and that actually was hard. Um, I had John give me a wonderful massage afterwards because it really was, that was painful. Yeah. But having my head upside down, that was okay. <laughs> and you, just, you, know, you say to yourself, this is the BBC, nothing's going to happen to me. Yeah, <laughs> you hope. <laughs> well, we didn't have Freddie Flintoff's experience then, so anyway. Uh, <laughs> Apart from the missions, of course, one of the most difficult things must have been the round tables. They seemed like they were a really tough part of the process for you and for everyone. You know, how how was that experience of filming those? Was it as intense as it seemed? Oh, yes. I, I'm sure other people have told you everything was real. We never did any second takes. Yeah. Claudia did some in her commentaries, but we never did any. So, yes, it was that everyone hated the round tables. And as we went on, we hated it more. You didn't go say, wow, the round table, we're going to get rid of so-and-so now. It was um, very, very uh, hard experience. I mean, there were some iconic moments in it, which are not shown. There's a lot in the editing, um, but it was the round table wasn't fun. And actually, it was jolly cold in there, so probably you see people putting on more and more clothes yeah. as each, each day goes by. <laughs> we're used to being freezing cold, so we put on a scarf or whatever uh, to keep warm in there. So no, that was um, that was a miserable experience. Yeah. Often you knew pretty much who was going to go. We had an idea. Okay. Okay. So. Now, I, on the podcast, I often talk about the use of the phrase evidence on the show. A lot of players talk about going on the evidence. And I always, as a viewer, of course, I'm, you know, I don't have the same experience you did. As a viewer, I always think, Surely there's not there's not really anything as evidence. There, there isn't unless a traitor maybe accidentally said something they shouldn't have said. And I got the impression from watching that you sort of approached it that way too, because at round tables you'd you'd talk about who could possibly be a traitor, and you would vote for people because it was possible that they were a traitor. How did you make your decisions about who to vote for? First of all. Can I say I think you're entirely right? There is no evidence. There was never any evidence, particularly in the beginning, for goodness sake. It was pretty much pot luck. Yeah. Um, I think with Elisa, she did leave. It. She did let something slip, but that was the only one. Um, yeah. What did you do? Often you went with the flow because you actually you didn't want it to be you. Mm -hmm. There was that side. There was the side towards the end. I vote for Hannah. Because I know it's not her, 
because I sort of say, you know, I'm voting for you. And she would say, oh, shut up, Andrew, stop voting for me. I said, well, I won't do it again. But then I was out, so I didn't have a chance. I went through it again. She said, no, next time I'm going to vote for you. So there was that as well. Um, and then some people were sort of sure. And some people, I know I can remember looking around across the table at Kieran when we voted out somebody, and both of us shaking our heads. It's unknowable. Yeah. So people who think that the next episode they're going to work it out and everything, I think they're wrong. Yeah. It is absolutely unknowable. Throughout the show, there's a sort of running conversation amongst people, and maybe maybe you didn't hear this while you were filming. Maybe it was only when you watched the program back. I'm not sure. A lot of people saying, "I'll never vote for Andrea. I couldn't ever vote for her. She's never going to get banished." Do you see that as a compliment or <laughs> are you surprised that people thought that way i think i knew that i mean i think i felt pretty secure in the round table yeah um i didn't realize i'd been almost murdered so many times almost from the <laughs> i was so surprised when i was watching and sort of saying, will stop it just stop that um so i was lucky to have lasted as long as i did obviously you try if I tried to do anything, it was probably underneath the radar. I mean, I wasn't particularly vocal on saying. I didn't quiz people either. Yeah. Basically, I, I, what Matthew, I just had a jolly good time. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like it. Yes. Was, was there ever a point where you had a really firm suspicion about who you thought a traitor could be? Or did you really always just feel in the dark? No, there were times. I mean, I knew, I knew Amanda was. And I just said, I'm not going to vote for her. Anyway, that's just, you know, it's a personal thing. It, it didn't matter. There were many votes for Amanda. I knew the person who goes off uh, before the just before the end. I knew yeah. they were. Uh, and that person I would have voted for, which is probably why I got voted out, which was a very good thing as it happens, because I might have got the other, you know. Yeah, yeah. I might have got it right. Um, so, yes, sometimes the word, let me think back. It was more I was sure people weren't. Um, let me think. Yeah, I mean, at least it's true. I can remember saying, listen, I'm not sure if it is you, but I know it could be you. Yeah. Uh, and the other two I did know. But only in time. You don't know straight away. Yeah. I mean, whatever people say, you know, 100% this, particularly Tom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I think some people got voted out but for other reasons in a way. I mean, Ryan, darling Ryan, because uh, he, he couldn't really do the mission. It, it, they were too hard. The barrel race was too hard for him. And you sort of say, well, okay, you know, um, mission week. I think it came a couple of times, sort of the feel, feeling of someone being mission poor. So it's also part of the game. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned there that you you were sure that Amanda was a traitor. Why? Why? How? How did you come to that conclusion? I think because she said so often she wasn't. I mean, okay. there were people who said a lot of times they weren't, and Amanda was one of them. And it had to be, it had to be somebody older. Yeah, it wasn't me. Kieran had been out for a long time. Faye uh, went. So when Faye went, she sort of said, oh, well, it's probably Amanda, most likely. Yeah. There are certain, as the game went on, there are certain logics. I mean, there's a logic as to after Amanda, what you know. But then I knew. 
Yeah. Uh, that was that was for sure. It's you know, the things you can say. You say it's the BBC. Uh, we're not playing Macbeth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, couldn't possibly have two estate agents. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Run. So there were things. Yeah. Yeah. Other than Amanda, then at the moment you were murdered and you received your letter, um, who, who who did you think were the traitors? Who did you think was responsible for your exit? Well, the person I know that was responsible for my exit, I wrote as soon as I got my phone back, I wrote him a blasting little. <laughs> <laughs> I told him to be the angel, and then I re-angeled him. <laughs> 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 I knew exactly who it was who'd done it. How how frustrating was it to be murdered at, at this really the final hurdle? Uh, and did you see it coming? I do know I didn't see it coming, which is silly. It's very strange. It was the only time I had a feeling, God, I could get to the end, and then that was it. Slack. Mm. And it was the only time I felt that. Um, so no, I didn't, for whatever reason. Didn't actually see it coming, so it was. But as I say, and as um, people watching will understand, it was a good thing. I didn't feel like a good thing. I mean, it yeah. still doesn't. Mm -hmm. A bit of disappointment still, but actually, it was a good thing. Yeah. So yeah. My next question, you might have answered already based on the very first thing I asked you, but I'll ask. I'll, I'm going to ask anyway. I've made the case at various points throughout this podcast that I think you would have been a great recruit as a traitor. So at the point when Alex or Kieran were recruited, I've suggested Andrea, Andrea would have been great. If you had been offered uh, the, this recruitment throughout the, you know, in the middle of the game, would you have accepted it? In the middle, I'm not so sure. By the end, probably yes. In the middle, I'm not so sure. I mean, I totally supported Alex. Um, in the middle, I don't know. Um, I have a strong feeling of care for everybody, and I didn't want to betray them. Mm -hmm. So that would have been hard. In the end, when there are a few people, you think, well, probably, why not have a go? So luckily, I wasn't, I wasn't asked that question. I think Alex was tremendously honourable, to have gone like that. I supported her very much. Um, I don't... The answer is, Matthew, I think, until you're in a position, you actually don't know. Yeah. So probably, probably with sadness, I'd have said no. But I can't be 100% sure of that. Yeah. I so much wanted to be in bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my last few questions are sort of uh, post-show questions, I suppose. Uh Firstly, have you seen the US version of the show? I have. We were we were all sent a copy of the US version of the show, which is very different. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm pleased we had Claudia. I think she was right for our show. Yeah. Alec Cummings may, may have been right for the American show. Perhaps Claudia wouldn't have worked so well. I think, you know, we, we were, yeah, Claudia was right for us. I'm quite fascinated by it, actually. I'm quite fascinated by a number of them. Uh, particularly, what was her name? Kate? Kate, yeah. I was actually fascinated when she started throwing barrels away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I understood why she was doing it, and then she completely changed when she suddenly thought she might get to the end. 
Yeah. Uh, the start of being cooperative. So I thought it was a very different show. Um, I'm not sure I would have watched it if it hadn't been for our show. Yeah. What did you think? I I I've, I watched it. Uh, I agree. It's very different, and I. I, I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you, but I definitely prefer the the UK version. Uh, I love the US build up to the finale. It was it was still really exciting and really intense to watch. Um, but I prefer the UK series, and I th- I think there's it's funny because a few moments ago you said you might not have accepted the chance to be a traitor because you felt a sense of care towards everyone, and I think that kind of thing was probably missing from the US one. I think they were genuinely competitive you know mm-hmm. at all costs I, I i think in the british one that despite the fact it was a game there seemed as a viewer there seemed to be a sense of community between all of you and actual genuine friendship and i don't know if that that came across as much in other versions of the show like the us one no i don't i, I don't think it did we were all friends i one of my favorite i don't even know if it's if we hear it, every now and again, Wilf would say, particularly towards the end, he'd say, they're not really dead. They're not really dead to me. And we'd look <laughs> at it and i say, no, they're not. But they are. And we both go, oh. <laughs> so there was a real feeling. And I, yes, I found I, I didn't expect it. I found I just loved all these very, very different people. Thrilled when we, when we got together again. Um, and you care for them. You're there living. It's the only people, apart from the crew, which are a lot of people, um, you're just with them. You're isolated from everything and you're with these people and you learn their, oh, you learn their hopes, particularly the young people. Yeah. So we were also naked. So I don't think, you, you want to care for them. What can I say? And I think we all did. Yeah. Not everybody comes out so well in the editing, but in reality, we did all care for each other. Yeah. And that made it a wonderful experience. Yeah, I think it made it a great experience for the viewer as well. I think, again, I think that comes across. What's been the most exciting or surprising thing that you've done or experienced since the programme as a consequence of being on The Traitors? Uh, well, I've never been on Instagram before, so that's been. <laughs> I'm not sure whether I find it exciting. It was Amos who, who did it all. I battle with it. How you move things? <laughs> um, I try my best on it. Uh, what else? Well, it is true. I don't know if I can. Yes, I can talk about this. I mean, both Amos and I have been approached by a production company who would like to do something with us. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, I don't know whether we will. It's a, it's a great idea. It's very much an idea of the times. It's to do with people getting older and how do you get old well. Um, I'd love to do that with the BBC. I'm not sure the BBC are that interested, um, sadly. But um, so that that was very thrilling. It stalled a bit. I'd love it to come back. I think it would be a great show. Well, I would, wouldn't I? think. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Amos doing all sorts of things and proving that, you know, you can get old and really keep trying. Is basically yeah. What it is. Um, yeah, the best thing. The best thing is us all. There's no doubt about it. It's to know these people and to know that you can call on them if yeah. you need. 
Um, so that's the very best thing. And I think the second best thing was the fun of it. The sheer, total, exhausting enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. Um, how well we were looked after. You have, when you do these, presumably all, all reality games, you have a great team of people around you called welfare, and they are there just to look after you. And they are wonderful people, and they're sort of there pretty much 24-7. Yeah. Um, so I thought, I, all of that, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything else I can think of that... Uh, you know, delighted to be doing something, I hope, with the Terence Higgins Trust. I'm going to do on Tuesday, I forgot what it's called. It's um, New Homes or something. It's uh, a network group we're going to do, I don't know, Zoom or whatever. Um, it's an LGBTQ plus group. Who also establish homes for people or whatever. I mean, they've asked me to talk for half an hour and then questions, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All of that is, it's huge fun. I mean, at my age, how great, how lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, my, My final question for now, before we talk a little bit about maybe social media and we conclude our game we've been playing, my final question is, what would be your advice to a new player about to begin their, you know, a new series of the traitors? What would you tell somebody, a, a faithful? What would your advice to a faithful be? I should say. I think go in with no, no, no preconceptions. Don't bother about a game plan; it's not going to work. <laughs> uh, don't bother about inventing dogs or anything. Uh, <laughs> just, just go there and and enjoy it. Yeah, you may not last. You may last. Um, look at the people who've lasted. It's very interesting, actually. Yeah. Um, some of the strongest personalities went out very early. I think if you're there, sort of looking and testing people and saying, mm, "I want to know this or that," it's probably not a good idea. Yeah. But it will depend on the others. Um, so certainly, don't go with pages of game plans. I mean, some people did. And it all went out of the window. Yeah. It's just not worth it. Yeah. So, Andrea, before we conduct our own banishment and try to detect one another's lies, uh, where where can people find you on online? Where where can we keep up with you? They can keep up. Well, there's not much to keep up with, but they can keep up with me on Instagram. And I believe it's called Andrea Morrison Addison. Uh, yes, with an underscore between each of those names. You say so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a little um, note of it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I wait for someone like Amos to do a new picture and then try and try and put it up or something like that. <laughs> um, so it's not it's not really of my generation. It's quite fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't. Some people said I should have gone on to uh, Twitter, and I didn't actually. I can't bear Elon Musk, so I just yeah. too much the thought of that. And I wouldn't, you know, I didn't really like my grandchildren to read all of those sorts of things. I think that would be. Um, I think it's nice for them to be innocent. That's a, yes, yeah, they're not very old, so yeah. <laughs> that I think is is a comforting thing. It's like. I mean, TikTok, I quite like to have done some TikToks. On the other hand, 
<laughs> Twitter, I don't think you're missing out, to be honest. <laughs> it's a bit of a time hoover. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and people, you know, it takes such an awful long time. I don't spend very much uh, long on it, but some people do. Yeah. Twitter and or Instagram, you know. Yeah. Making reels and this or that, you think. Uh, yeah. Okay. Andrea, throughout our discussion, we've been playing a bit of a game. We've been playing the Trader Traitor. Ooh. Ah. I snuck in a little lie at some point. Uh, did Did you tell me a lie? I did. Okay. Um, I was going to tell you several, and I, mean, I think I got one probably. I could do another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think I will. I have a theory about what your lie might be. So mm-hmm. I might guess your lie, and then you could guess what you think I lied about. I um, you didn't say very much about yourself. Perhaps <laughs> you're not in Scotland. <laughs> I I will reveal all in a moment. Um, was your lie that? Now, this is only because I read something online today that makes me think this isn't true. Uh, You mentioned something about your grandchildren. Was that a lie that you don't have grandchildren? It is, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I did, but I have a lot of associate grandchildren. I have five associate grandchildren. Yes, it was a lie. It was indeed. If we had had this conversation... Three or four hours ago, I would not have guessed that, but I just happened to read something on a, in a, in a Metro interview that you did, and you mentioned not having grandchildren. So that's oh, the yeah. only reason that stuck out to me. I would I not have. I didn't, I didn't put my other lie in, <laughs> which I don't think you would have got. But anyway. Oh, oh, what was your other lie? What would it have been? Um, it when you I, I forgot to mention it when you were talking about which um, which missions I loved and which I didn't. And I would have told you how disappointed I was in the bell ringing one, not to have been in the bell ringing. Oh. Um, <laughs> because I, I just love music and I love singing and, you know, love music. And actually, I'm pretty much amusical. So that would be good. What is your like? Goodness, I don't know, Matt. Um, other than not being in Scotland, which would be a huge lie. That would no, be really no. Big. I'm in Scotland. Yes, I think you probably are in Scotland. Uh, I'm so much concentrating on what I've been saying. What did you say that was a lie? Uh, um, I'll, I'll give you a clue. It was okay. it was very small and it was very, very early on. It was almost immediately after I told you we were playing a lying game. Okay, what did you say? What did you <laughs> mean? Oh, well, that's the clue, is it? That's the clue. Oh, do you think I can think back to them? <laughs> um, I don't know. I have to say, I, I confess. See, I okay. wouldn't be able to I'll I'll tell you my lie. My lie was, I was a bit sneaky. I started off with a question from somebody else. I said, I have a question from Joseph. And I said, Joseph is a huge fan. That is true. Joseph is a huge fan. I lied and said he'd co-hosted two episodes of the podcast with me. That part was not true. He has co-hosted one episode of the podcast with me. How how am I supposed to? I I know, I know. I I was, I was really mean with that one. 
Uh, I, I apologize. Uh, Andrea, thank you so, so much for talking to me today. I've been talking about you all all season of the podcast and how, how much I loved watching you on the show. So this is really, really exciting. I really appreciate it. I, I hope you've had a nice time talking to me today. I've had a lovely time talking to you today. Please, oh, I, can I ask you to ask your readers? Yes. Uh, you know, the show is up for two BAFTAs. Yes. Right? And apparently there's a BAFTA called The Iconic Moments. Oh, yes. Six shows are chosen. If The Traitors is one of the six, could you try to mobilise everyone to choose an iconic moment? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yes. I have a little section in every episode called TT News, the Traitors News. So that's something that will go in TT News uh, to encourage people to vote. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you could also, I mean, people on social media could talk about how much they want to see me and Amos doing something else. Oh, yes. Uh, racing across the world or doing the other programme that we hope to do or whatever. That would be That would be very useful. Yeah. I, you know, I, I slip it into the BBC every now and again, and to Studio Lambert, but um, probably falling on deaf ears. Yeah, I'm in full support of that. Andrea, thank you so much. I will you talk you. to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Hello, Tradar listeners. What a dream to talk to Andrea. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I've put a link to Andrea's Instagram in the episode description, along with all of the podcast social media details, as well as my coffee.com details. In case you are wondering, hmm, if only I could support Matthew to keep doing these fab traitors interviews. I'll be back very soon with the finale episode of the podcast season with a returning wonderful guest co-host. If you want to keep up to date on podcast news, or if you want to get in touch about the show, or to send me a question, you can find me on Twitter at the Pod, Instagram at the Podcast, or you can email the Podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out my writer pages too on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Matthew J. Keeley. In the meantime, until the finale episode to finish off the Traitors UK. Stay faithful. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.